Well, thank you for joining us again tonight. And uh, we're all going to be looking at Romans chapter 13 and uh, verse 11 down to 14. And uh, just once again, looking at some of the practical outworking of uh, those who have uh, been beneficiaries of the mercies of God. And uh, wonderful to see that there is a life change for those who are new creatures in Christ, as Paul says uh, in the book of Galatians. So welcome. Good evening just to be uh, gathering together, whether it be in your home, on your own, or whether you be with someone else um, as well. I thought tonight we would just uh, pray together some of the opening uh, lines of the Lord's Prayer, uh, turning the focus away from ourselves and and turning uh, to God and that which He is worthy of. So I want you to bow your heads as we just pray together. Thank you, God, our Father, for the uh, guideline, the template we have of what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. And we do want to pray tonight, our Father, that your name be hallowed, that your name be held holy amongst those who profess your name, those who profess to be believers. But, Lord, that more and more people, as they hear the gospel, as your Holy Spirit is at work in them, bringing about the new birth, that there would be a desire to be amongst those who honor you and exalt you and hold you up as the one who is incomparable. And, Lord, we pray that as we come together tonight and remembering uh, each other, but, Lord, wanting to ask that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not easy for us, Lord. We uh, go through difficulties. We uh, face hardships. Uh, we see things as we think they ought to be, but we know that this is not always in line with your will. And so we do pray for hearts and minds in submission to your will. And again, to be able to say that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so even as we turn to this passage tonight, a challenging passage, and, and yet at the same time some encouragement for us in anticipation and hope of the future. Uh, praying that your, your Holy Spirit would lead and guide and, and convict us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's turn to the passage and, and, and read, follow with me. It's uh, Romans chapter 13, and I'm going to be reading from verse 11. Uh, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We want to begin our study tonight by just getting us to think a little bit about the concept of time. It is something that we constantly face day in and day out. There there is time in that there is daytime and there is nighttime. Time is a huge part of our everyday life. It 
it governs the way we live, it regulates what we do, uh, and in fact, even sometimes what we will not do. A number of our students and scholars have just come through a season of exams. And I remember that season in my own life, uh, waiting uh, for the invigilator to say, right, it is time to begin to write the exam. And then getting busy for two hours or three hours and anticipating when pens need to be put down because time is up. And in every other area of life, I know uh, when I travel to the office in the mornings, I need to ensure that I leave enough time to navigate, to negotiate the traffic, ensuring that I get to work on time. And so time is just a reality that we live with, that we face, that we understand uh, day by day in the experience of our lives. But I want to turn to our passage and show you that God also has something very important for us to consider about time as we turn to this passage tonight. And so our very first point tonight, and we're going to be looking at what I've called you ought to understand the time that you are living in. What, what time are we living in? Now, this is not a specific uh, hour that we're speaking of, or minute or second, but yeah, we're speaking more of a season, and I'm going to be speaking about that in just a few uh, minutes as well. But, but what, what is going on in our world uh, at this particular time? What, what time is it? What, what is the season like? And I jotted down just a few things. I was listening uh, to the radio traveling in my car the other day, and I was surprised to hear that during the uh, lockdown restrictions with the abolishment of the uh, people not allowed to, to purchase alcohol freely and restaurants are closed and, and pubs and clubs and so on, that uh, some academic did a study over the period of lockdown when we've been open and closed, and they determined that at least 42 less deaths take place every day when alcohol is not available. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that there's uh, loose living, that there's conflict, that there's fighting, that there's murder, that there's uh, aggression uh, between people. In the context of our, our country and our state, the, 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 the State Capture Commission, and we've heard stories of, of looting and, and deception and, and thieving and lying and crime and and even at the moment, this debacle about a certain person needing to be uh, put in prison and, and stories that have been told. And, and so what, what time is this? What, what's going on in, in this world of ours, in South Africa, but even further afield uh, in the rest of the world? We're facing things like gender-based violence, understanding that there, uh, the abandonment of babies, understanding that there's uh, regular rape of, of women. What is the negative side of this? Well, I want to go to the broader context of the passage. And if we return to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, we see something about the horrible, uh, the negative side that I've just been describing about our particular time that we are living in. That very familiar verse, uh, second verse of Romans 12, reads as follows. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, very interestingly, that word that has been translated world is actually better translated age. Do not be conformed to this age, 
to this particular season where things are as they are. It's a time word uh, that Paul uses in that particular verse. And he's saying that this present age is fallen. This present age is a dark age. It's a sinful age. It's an age that is dominated by Satan. And in fact, the Bible tells us, describes Satan as the god of this age. A number of verses we can refer to speaking to that issue. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, John 12 31, Ephesians 2 2, 1 John 5 19. And, and so we are not as Christians, we're told in that particular verse, to conform to uh, this age, but to be transformed in it to something else. And so as we move on under this point, we ought to understand the time we're living in. What do you speak now to the fact that we need to understand the lingering present age of darkness? That's where we're at. This is the season. This is the time. We've heard stories of someone killing another human being for a cell phone. Someone murdering a family for a small amount of stuff that they gain from the theft. And the reason for those things is because this is a time of darkness. And so the haunting present reality of the aging or the, the darkness of the age is evident all around us. And I, I think it would be fair to say that even those people who are not believers, they may not know the biblical reasons, may not agree with the biblical reasons, but they recognize that there is a problem, that there is an ugliness, that there's lots of horror stories that can be told, that are seen, that are repeated. And, and so some even opposing some of the evil perpetrated in this society existing in this age of darkness that, that lingers on. It should also be clear to us from Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that so much of this present time is evil. We should not be surprised to see what we see when we read history in the past or we look at the unfolding of history in the present and we can anticipate uh, in the future uh, uh, some of this being evident and, and prevalent. And, and so Christians cannot just be fitting into the mold of the day. We cannot just be conforming, but we need to be changed regarding these matters by the renewing of our minds. But there is another side to the time that we're living in. And uh, this is the, the positive side, and I do want to encourage you tonight, as we look at this passage in chapter 13, verse 11 and 12, there is definitely, most definitely, a positive side to it. Listen again as I read some of these verses. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Very important. I want to repeat that. The night, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off works of darkness, put on the armor of light. So Paul now here is speaking. He's speaking of an age a time of light rather than a time of darkness. He's speaking of day rather than night. But what does he mean? What does he mean by this? How do we understand uh, both uh, sides of this coin of darkness and light? 
seen the darkness, and yet he speaks of the light. Well, we find similar uh, language and uh, elaboration in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. Again, it's the Apostle Paul writing, and remember, he's led by the Spirit. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Those early Christians, the recipients, the first recipients of that letter and other letters, were fully aware of the time they were living in. You know the time. Every Christian, however, was taught that Jesus was coming back, that he was coming back from heaven to earth. They were to expect him at any time. They were warned not to be found unprepared for his coming. People generally, and we understand, we have that kind of tendency to be taken off guard the way a thief in the night appears, surprisingly or unexpectedly. But not so the Christians, being forewarned, being told, you are not in darkness, brothers, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4, but for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. What then can we say about the time that we are living in? And I want to add now, secondly, under this first point, that we live in the dawning age of light. We live in a day and age where there is an overlap. Remember the uh, geometry, I think it would have been, at school? where we have two circles overlapping each other, and uh, that's what we ought to picture in our minds here. There is this age of darkness, but there's the dawning of light, and there's an overlap, an overlap between this present sinful age and the coming age of righteousness, uh, between mortal life and, and eternal life. And so, so we, we are living... Uh, between the two comings of, of Christ. Uh, his first coming has already taken place. We know that. We understand that. We look back to that. But we also know that we can anticipate his second coming. We live in a day that uh, some people have called it the, the already and the not yet. It's already come. It is yet to come. There's already so much happening in terms of light, but there's more to come in the light that we can anticipate. So we're living in an age, most definitely, where forgiveness is a reality. Righteousness uh, can be seen, and, 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 and life uh, can experience, we who live can experience peace, peace with God, peace with each other. We can pursue purity and, and know some measure of health and, and light and, and joy. But we're very much in the context, in the overlap, of darkness, where guilt and sin and death and strife and sickness and darkness and misery still remain. We know as believers we're forgiven. We're accepted as children of the living God. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're able to experience the love of God and that love to be shed abroad in our hearts. In fact, as we even read earlier on in the passage. 
But nothing is yet perfect on this earth. We struggle with sin. We are still being sanctified. We are still being made more and more holy. We are still being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. We struggle with sin. We get sick. And we all will die. That then being some explanation or some insight into the uh, explanation of time that we're living in, we need to see that there is a practical application. This is not just a theory. This is not just some kind of notional idea that we need to hold in our minds and attention between darkness and, and light. I want to move on to a second point, which is where the passage goes, as the apostle writes uh, these verses, you ought to live appropriately to the time. That's what he goes on to speak about. This is the practical reality. As we live in this time, uh, especially those of us who are believers who are experiencing light and some of the blessings of light in some measure, there is a way that we ought to live. And, and, and we know that just to go through some kind of mundane example. When times are financially tough, what do we do? We spend less money. I know that we accommodate certain things because of traffic, uh, uh, doing what we need to do so that uh, the right thing can eventually uh, happen. And so since we are living in the approaching dawn of the morning light, the fact that Jesus is coming, the fact that he will be ushering in his kingdom and that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The apostle says the hour has come for you to wake up from your sleep. Again, 1 Thessalonians elaborates, chapter 5 and verse 6, so, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, those who get drunk or drunk at night, but since we belong to the day, let's be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God is not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Here's some encouragement. If you're anything like me, I don't even like to watch the news. I just get so discouraged. But I know I need to watch the news from time to time because I need to know what's going on. I need to try and be relevant in my preaching and my teaching, but I don't like it. Well, here's the encouragement, certain encouragement that I want to take from this passage. The nighttime of sin and misery and illness and death, almost done, almost over. And the daytime of love and joy and life, and health, and perfection is at hand. See, the activities of the night occupy so many people who are dear to God and all their attention. The activity, in some senses, could be likened to sleepwalking. They are doing things, but they're doing things in darkness. And so, therefore, moving on and using and keeping that analogy in mind, it is now time to be awake. It's now time to be awake to the life of God. Let's not forget the life of God 
and the fact that he's coming. Day by day, we need to see that the life you have, that I have in Christ as a believer, along with the expectation of his coming, gives us hope in the present for the future. Now, why, why does Paul make this such an urgent matter? And he gives the reason why being awake to the day is so important. Again, in verse 11, he says, The hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Coming of Jesus. Now, I know that this was written 2,000, almost 2,000 years ago, and this a message was written to those people, and Paul was saying to them, this time is closer. Now we've moved on 2,000 years. How much closer are we to the coming of Jesus? When we will finally be done with sin and, and, and disease and discouragement and, and looting and deception and, 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 and all the darkness that is around us. The coming of Jesus. Let us not forget, is a promise, is a reality, and it can be at any time. We will soon see him face to face. The days of groaning are diminishing. And so this, this is a message of hope, especially if, if, you're, if you're a person today who's, who's under the burden and and, and groaning and, and the, the incompleteness of salvation seems so evident. Your frustrations and, and your losses, don't forget, it will end. Jesus is coming again. The age of misery, the age of death is almost spent. Do not forget, Jesus has already defeated sin. His work on the cross, his defeated death, his defeated Satan. In other words, we could say the decisive battle is over. And so as we live expectantly, we, we should not doubt the second coming. It's merely the unfolding of God's redeeming purposes. Nothing can stop the rising of the sun. Jesus will return at the appointed time. And so with this in mind, uh, not to forget God's reckoning of time and ours is not the same. And perhaps just to add that uh, comment from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Therefore, and now we're getting to the practical side of this passage, rather than sleepwalking, or being asleep to the blessings and the realities of the work of the Spirit, and, and you as the believer being a new creature in Christ, one who should not be conformed to this age, but to be transformed. So he says in verse 12, So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Our next point, it is now time to be appropriately dressed. This is such an important truth to emphasize where this day of darkness that we're living in, so much uh, justification uh, is around to condone sin. 
all sorts of sins are condoned. That's not not what the scripture says. Don't wear that. Don't live in that. And again, to go to the analogy and and perhaps a silly example, I don't see anyone wearing pajamas in the middle of the day going to church on a Sunday. Because pajamas are supposed to wear at night. We get dressed in the daytime. And, and, and that's the analogy Paul is using here. We, we, we understand that there is a way to dress when we're sleeping, and there's a way to dress when we are awake and busy. Take off the pajamas is what he's saying. In other words, anything that fits into the works of darkness must be eradicated, must be removed, must be taken off, and put on the daytime clothes identified in our passage as the armor of light. And it is true that the unbeliever will largely uh, be comfortable in dressing for the night time, but not so for you and me as believers. We, we, we have a battle to fight. The appropriate clothing is actually just another way of saying the appropriate behavior, the appropriate conduct. Certain behavior patterns are becoming of a Christian, and certain behavior patterns and actions are characteristic of the unbeliever. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the daytime. And then he gives us the list, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but those are works of darkness. It's not becoming of a Christian to lack self-control in the area of alcohol and sexuality and social relationships. Unbecoming behavior uh, of the unbeliever, yes, is propped up by the sinful nature and, and all the desires of the sinful nature, whereas the behavior, becoming of a Christian, and this passage tells us, is connected to Jesus himself. Verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We often pray that the Lord would transform us into the likeness of Jesus. That's what is being spoken of here. The conduct of our lives should be determined, should be determined by our willingness to not submit, not to give in to the sinful nature, but rather what place does Jesus have in your life? What place does Jesus have in my life? So so where will my focus be? Will it be on feeding the sinful nature or will it be on pleasing God? It will be one or the other. Either Jesus or the fallen, self-centered nature. I think we must affirm with the Apostle Paul the reality of the true believer. Many people profess to be believers, but the reality of the true believer, listen to this, Colossians 1 verse 27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The theological concept, uh, speaking of the union 
that we have in Christ. That is a mystery around that text. It's not clearly understood. Christ dwelling in us by His Spirit, and yet in this particular age, there still are those remaining marks of sin that we struggle with and the battle that takes place. If we feed the sinful nature, it will dominate. If we feed and submit to the influences of Jesus and His Spirit, we will be more likely to have a tendency to be holy and conform to His likeness. What do you associate um, the Lord Jesus and the clothing that we wear, the protection we wear, thinking about these elements of faith, love, and hope that would be spoken of in uh, is spoken of in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse, verse 8. I want to try and just try and put some practical handles on this. It says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet of hope of salvation. So, so, so how do we develop, how do we grow in all of these? Well, faith we know comes from hearing, so we put Christ on. How do we put Jesus on? We put Jesus on. By hearing, by listening, and submitting to His Word. Hope comes from the promises. So how do we put Christ on? We remember the promises of God. We remind each other of the promises of God. We memorize the promises of God. What about love? Well, we know that love comes from God, so we put Christ on by believing and receiving the gift of His Son. The gospel proclaimed, the sacraments that we, we share with each other, the, the table and, and baptism, knowing that he so loved us that he laid down his life for us, his friends. And so to be clothed with all the graces evident in Jesus, full of Christ, full with Christ, and him sticking out everywhere, just to conclude, when, when I was a child, I remember being terrified to go into the backyard at night. Uh, it was dark, there were no lights outside, and uh, I was scared to go out at night. And so it was always comforting to have somebody with me in the dark, make me feel a little bit better. But isn't it true that in that kind of situation, to be outside and see the sun rising, and light just permeating the environment. I think it's like that for us now. It's, it's great to know that we have the presence of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living in us by His Spirit. It's good, it's great, it's a privilege. But as this darkness passes, as there's this, this dawning of the new day, knowing that He will soon return. So, wanting to perhaps impress that upon us tonight, let us think more in terms of the coming of Jesus. Let's, go, let's not get lost in the present discouragement uh, of darkness that seems to pervade our society and our community and our country. But let's look to the light. Take courage to be filled with hope. Jesus is coming again. So, Lord, we do pray.
that that coming will be soon. Many, even among us in Central, carry huge burdens. And Lord, longing for that day when those burdens will be lifted. And, and to some extent, Lord, we know the burden of sin has been lifted. That forgiveness is real. That inclusion in your family is a blessing we experience. But Lord, we taste only a small taste of what is yet to come. And so give us an appetite for the coming of Jesus. And also, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be prepared and awake as this passage uh, has challenged and reminded us uh, to be. But may that coming be soon. Lord, that you would bring about a situation where all things are made new. Where darkness is completely gone and only light. And the reality of righteousness is evident and present. And so we pray, continue with us in your name. Amen. Just one final slide and uh, again, just a picture that you can take. Uh, with your cell phone, a couple of questions for discussion. If you are uh, in a group, uh, please, such an important subject, this, and uh, encourage one another. Let's not get uh, sucked into the whirlpool of this present darkness. Uh, that's not all. There's much more light to come. So God bless you, and be with you all until we meet again.